We have a special guest uh, in from uh, from Great Falls, Montana. Pastor, don't, don't get up yet, Pastor Bob. I haven't gotten to the good stuff yet, okay? Um, <laughs> Bob Johnson, uh, man, I think I've known Bob now for about 14 years, most of most of my time in ministry. And, um, you know, from the very beginning, Bob has always been so... He's been so gracious and so giving of himself. And I, I, other than my dad, I don't know of a single leader who's poured into my life as much as Bob Johnson has. Um, he's a real father in the faith to me. Um, I don't know if he knows that. <laughs> I've, I've adopted myself into his household. Um, but, you know, as we were, um, as we were in worship, I felt like um, I wanted to read a scripture that I feel like... Um, really applies to, you know, Bob has been faithfully serving both his church, uh, New City Church in, in Great Falls, and also at Ministers Fellowship International, which is the uh, the affiliation that we are, uh, our church has uh, for many, many years. And on one hand, this this scripture I want to read over you, Bob, is not a an ending, but I feel, I felt like there was just a commendation in the spirit for you, for your your years of faithful service. And this has actually become my favorite verse over the past few years. This is Second Timothy chapter four. He says, "For I am already being poured out as a drink offering." And this is where this isn't about you, okay? <laughs> the time of my departure is close, but I have fought the good fight. I finished the race and I kept the faith. And this is why I just felt, man, the moment you walked in this morning, I just heard the Lord say, "There is reserved for me." The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, but to all those who love disappearing. Bob, I want to thank you so much for your faithfulness. You know, in an era that seems to be marked, seems like every week there's another leader falling. I thank you that you lived a life where you stood up and you didn't fall. And you gave us an example that we can follow. Bob Johnson, everybody. I'm, I'm really spry. I just don't do stairs very well. So, so uh, that sounded a little bit like an obituary. Uh, <laughs> oh, thank you. I got it. So I noticed uh, when you get older, even in our church, when people pray for me, they almost, it's always about, God, we just thank you for his faithfulness. I want, I want to say thank you for his amazing ministry. Or is no, it's thank you that he stuck around. <laughs> but I, I really do appreciate that, Joel. And, and uh, you know, um, I, I this stage of my life, what what, what I do primarily, Cindy and I um, go to a variety of churches, and 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 churches have a feel about them. And when you do it a lot, you begin to sense certain things. And uh, during worship, I, this church has a, a feel of gratitude. And that's really good. I actually, I, I, believe, I believe the number one quality a Christian should have is gratitude. And uh, when I go to churches where there's a sense of gratitude, you, you sense it in worship and in the way people do things, um, God can do amazing stuff with that. So... I, I really commend you for that. You guys are you, you're grateful for what Jesus did, and and that should be our posture. So um, I'm I'm excited for your church. And I, I share the first service, 
you, you've grown considerably since I was here a couple years ago. And uh, so some of you don't know who I am. And uh, I'm sorry. But... <laughs> But uh, it's it's good to see new people here, and and uh, it's I'm excited for what God's doing in this place. Um, uh, the message I'm going to pre- well, my wife Cindy, would you stand up and so they can see? This is my wife. She is by by far the better part of me. She helps me to be nice. <laughs> I, I can be really task oriented. You know, I just get focused and, and uh, there's stories of me knocking little old ladies apart, uh, away at this grocery store so I get first in line. I mean, really, don't you think that's kind of important to get in line? And, and here's what happened. Every time I, I rush to get in the front of the line, the person in front of me says, see, I've got a few questions. <laughs> and it's like every other line moves and God says, pay attention, Bob, pay attention. Um, so what, anyway, what I want to talk about today is a, really a basic message. Uh, I, I was thinking uh, probably the biggest desire of my heart is for God's people to think right, um, to, to have a right understanding of who God is and who they are, and how they fit in the kingdom. And uh, the title of the message is For His Purpose. I, I almost entitled it, What's It All About? Because uh, I'm going to read a passage that sort of sums up our whole Christian experience. Um, there's a quote, um, uh, Augustine, uh, some of you might have heard of him. He was, a, um, he was a bishop in about the fourth century after Jesus. And uh, he was, a, he was a, a, a rascal who got saved. Which how many how many rascals that got saved are in the room? So you can identify with him. He, he was he was a brilliant man, and much of the theology that we have today, he kind of put it into place. I mean, really, it, uh, a lot of scholars go back their the roots in the in theology is, has its roots in this man that God uniquely used. Uh, I'm I'm reading his confessions right now. He, it, I mean, it's it's a little difficult reading, but when he talks about repentance, he just does a wonderful job with it. Um, but he said this, he said, um, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. I, I, I got saved when I was four and a half. And uh, when I was a kid, I actually had a, a close relationship with the Lord. I, 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 was, I was always a little bit chubby, but I always had really pretty girlfriends, and I think it's because I had a good prayer life. <laughs> but when I hit my later teenage years, I, 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 I wouldn't say I drifted away. I actually ran away from God and for a number of years, and, and it was so lonely. At first, it, it was new, exciting, fun, the dark side, and then it was just lonely. And I tried lots of things. I was a philosophy major in college and studied, you know, looked in other religions and just trying to figure out what life was about. And when I came back to Jesus, I found my rest. And I, I, it's like I came home. And I, I've never wanted anything else since. Uh, so I, there really is... That's what we're made for. We're made to belong to God. And when we find that, then life makes sense. Amen? So, 
Uh, I want to turn your Bibles if you have, oh, you don't have Bibles. Turn your phones. This is, uh, by the way, this is a Bible here. They used to make these, they're leather, have paper. By the way, I, if I'm coming to church, I take my phone. I don't carry this big old thing. And, and half the time, I don't read out of it anyway. I already have it written on my notes, so don't feel bad. But anyway, all right, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Well, actually, uh, I, I shared the, with the first service, too, that uh, this message has most of my life scriptures in it. And, and, it's, it's, uh, and I get to talk about things I really like. I, and, and my favorite book in the New Testament is is uh, Ephesians, and uh, this is probably the, my favorite part of Ephesians. So Ephesians 2, verse 1, um, I guess I can put the glasses on. They said in the first service, I kept coming out the microphone, so I'm, I'm gonna, you guys help me if I mess up, all right? Um, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins, he's, he's talking to us. He says, you, you used to live in, the, in sin, just like the world, rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is a spirit who is at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us, even the most, you know, you know, there are some people that seem more godly than others. Even they, all of us, used to live like that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. We, did, we just did what we wanted. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy. I love that. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. My, my grandfather was a pastor. And he used to say, one of his sayings was, uh, Keep looking down, keep looking down. Actually, there's a song, from the heights where your glory doth abound. But, but spiritually, the Bible says we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. And so we have a, have a different view of life. He says, um, so verse uh, 7, uh, So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for it. How many figured that out? That's why you should be grateful. It's the gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. Verse 10, one of my uh, top three verses. We are God's masterpiece. Turn, turn to your neighbor and say, you're a masterpiece. Uh, you know, I, I, I really like art. And, and uh, actually, they have a term called magnus opus, which is, means uh, an artist's greatest work. And uh, like somebody, you know, an author that's written a series of novels, but they have, normally have one that they say, this is it. This is uh, the magnus opus, the, the masterpiece. That, that's how God sees us. That's really cool. That's really amazing, actually. He says, we, we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So he says, I picked you and I made you uniquely the way you are so that you could be my example of grace to a world that's broken. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. And uh, I'm going to uh, 
lay some foundation in your life. And, and if you, if you're, you know, if you're looking for something really new and, and amazing, you probably should go to the church down the road because uh, I, this is this is old and foundational. Okay, <laughs> kind of like me. And so uh, let's let's pray together. Put your hand on your heart, and we're just going to pray that God would speak to you. Um, let me say this first. God knows you intimately, knows you way better than you know yourself. And so he knows what you need today. I'm not capable of giving you that, except that God breathes life into my words, and then he specifically tailors them for where you're at. And so you, you will hear things possibly that I don't say. And, and anybody who preaches knows this because we're just not capable of doing it. I, I actually had a guy ran up after the service uh, and this is years ago. We used to have a, like altars at the front where you come and get prayer. And he ran up and I said, man, that really, you really got ministered to by that sermon. He said, well, when you called out my name, I knew I had to go up. I said, I didn't even know you were in the building. I, I literally did not until he ran up. I didn't know he was there. I didn't call his name, but he heard because God's involved. See, and so I, I, I believe there's things God wants to do in you that only he can do that you need that will help you to do what he's called you to do. And so I'm praying for that, that God will take the words that I speak and then he'll speak them right to your heart. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, this morning, I, I pray for these wonderful people. God, there is really is a spirit of grace here and a spirit of gratitude. And so God, I, I pray that you would minister life you would take the words that I speak, God, you'd anoint them and grace them so they would touch each heart where it needs to touch them and bring revelation and understanding and, and substance for the future. God, lay a good foundation and, and, and minister where people need to be touched by you. God, anoint my words, my thoughts, this time together. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So, uh, I, four four things I want to tell you. I want to tell you the first two so I can tell you the third, and then we'll land on the fourth. Um, in this passage, the first one is this. He says, you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Um, Ephesians says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Uh, chapter 12 of Ephesians 2, the same passage, it, it says this. It says, um, you lived in the world without God and without hope. I, I've, you know, I've read that many times. Every time I read that, it, it, it almost gives me chills. The people you live around, the people you interact with, that you work with, that you go to grocery stores with, that you go to school with, that, 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 vote differently than you, that have values that are different than you, that annoy you as Christians. And I, and I know I'm in northern Idaho, and, and, and we have, I'm from Montana, so there's strong political views, and we see this world that just seems so messed up, and we just get so upset about it. They have no hope. And, 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 and what we do is we get angry with them 
because they have no hope. Because people without hope will find false hope. Because there's something in the human nature that craves hope. And so you live around people without hope. Another, another term that's used in the Bible says people that are in darkness. In fact, one translation says they're in gross darkness. There's a, a caverns in Montana, Lucifer Caverns, and you can go down to the very bottom of it, and, you, and then they turn off the lights. And it's, it's darkness, it's like uh, tar. I mean, you, you really can't see anything. And that's a term that's used to describe people that you work with and you interact with, you go to the grocery store or restaurants, and, and you vote with, and you, you know, they run schools, they're involved in all kinds of things. And my observation, and maybe this is a different group of people than you guys, but Christians oftentimes are very unkind to people like that. Because they annoy us, because they don't act the way they should, and they don't, but they don't have hope. And, and, and until Jesus came in, and, and maybe there's some people here today that are in that situation, we didn't have hope. And, and again, when you don't have hope, then you figure out some sort of thing, whether it's money or, or pleasure or recreation or relationships or, or the Internet or whatever. We try to find hope somewhere. And, and so... the. People without Christ are without hope. And, and, and man, we need to think like that. In fact, it, it, should make us, it should make us compassionate and it should break our hearts for the people around us. Can you say amen to that? Yeah. All right. The, the, the second point is this, and, and this is all in this passage, is that he gave us life. It's a work of grace. How many, how many are grateful for that work of grace? Um, Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 says, For God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by grace that you've been saved. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This is actually my life scripture here. Uh, I, get to, I love this sermon because I get to use all my favorite stuff. It's kind of indulgent, actually, but that's the way it goes. Anyway, listen to this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has then given us this ministry of reconciling people to himself. So when you come to Christ, you become a new person. I, I share with you, I, I got saved when I was four and a half. When I was in my last couple of years of high school, maybe primarily my last year, I I started running away from God. When I was 17, I, I got on a train, went to college, and left God completely. Left my family and, and really ran hard away from God for years. I have uh, a lot of shame from those years. As probably you guys do too. You understand that. When I came back to the Lord, when I was 29, well, I started about the time I met my wife and then this journey back when I was 29, uh, we were in Alaska, went to this little Pentecostal church. And we walked in, had bib overalls, long hair, flannel shirts. Were, those are skinny jeans of the day. Uh, and uh, God just radically touched my wife and I's life. 
And we got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and we were transformed. And then, then like often happens when people get saved, maybe you can identify it, it seemed like for several years, God would was working things out of my life, even, even the guilt and the shame. Um, I, there's no way I could repent for everything I've done. There's no way anybody could do that. But it seemed like God would bring up instances from my past, like samples. Anybody else experience this? And then I'd have to deal with it. And in dealing with it, there would be a new freedom come in my life. And so um, one day I, I saw a person from, and, and by the way, the things in my past that really bothered me wasn't the actions I did, it's the way I treated people and the people I hurt. And uh, to this day, I'm still sad about that. But I saw this person from my past, and uh, I was just ashamed. And I went to work that night, and I just, um, and maybe you can identify with this. I, w- I remember I worked for a, a liquefied natural gas plant, and, and uh, I worked the night shift, and so I was walking around checking things, and I had a lot of, lot of quiet time, and I was talking to the Lord all night. God, I'm so sorry. God, I repent. I'm so sorry. God, I, if I can, if you give me a chance to talk to that person, I'll, I'll repent to him. I'll do whatever you want. God, I'm, oh, how many have ever repented like a thousand times or something? And, and probably three or four in the morning of this just this kind of miserable night of just feeling so guilty and so ashamed, I felt like the Lord spoke to me. No, I, I like you, I have God speak to me. Most of the time, it's just a sense of what God wants to do. But I've had a number of times where I almost heard a voice and, and reflecting back on that, I'm, I'm an old man now and I've, I've experienced this, it's, it's normally God's trying to change the way I think about something. Not, not even that he's mad at me, it's just that I'm, I'm seeing something wrong and he has to speak kind of clearly to, to help me to see it in the right way. And so like at three or four in the morning, I'm, God, I'm so sorry. God, I'm so sorry. I felt like the Lord spoke to me. He said, son, a dead man did that. Amen. Now, you got it right away. See, it just, it was like, now, I had read that before, but it was like a revelation in my heart that the person that did that didn't exist anymore. The Bible says, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. And the knife I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who died for me and gave himself for me. So, so that's like the person who's guilty, the person who has shame, doesn't exist. Now, that doesn't excuse me that I don't ever need to repent if I can, but, but it's not me anymore. I'm a new, I am a new creation. By the way, that gives everybody hope. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, what, what Jesus does, he makes you new. He doesn't remodel you or fix you up or clean you up. He makes you, you are a different person because now you're born again by the Spirit of God. How, how many, somebody say amen for that or hallelujah. Isn't, isn't that wonderful? And And so... That gives us hope when we speak to other people, but it also gives us hope in our own life that we don't have to carry all that stuff of our past. And, and, but if God takes you to a place of repentance, do that because it helps with the freedom. But you're a new creation. Amen? So one, two, I got that. Now we can go to three. That's where I want to really want to camp for a little bit. Um, 
You are who you're supposed to be. Now, I'm, I'm going to break that down a little bit. Most people I know, I'm, I've been pastoring for 42 years, most people I know wish certain things about them were different. Um, maybe, maybe that they were more gifted in this area, maybe that they didn't struggle in this way. Uh, maybe there's wounds in your past that you think, uh, how would I even overcome that? We, we, we just, we, and we, I was thinking about this between services. Sometimes we even have a model of what a real Christian is, and they're, they're normally really in good shape and highly disciplined and, and just clever in the word. And, and we're not. I mean, this is the best I can get. <laughs> right. um, I, I remember uh, we, our church, we started our church and a couple years in, uh, an, another pastor who didn't feel to be a senior pastor merged his church into ours. But his wife was like Martha Stewart. And, and we went over to visit them. And we walked out to the car and my wife started crying. She said, I'll never be like that. My wife's very creative. And, and creative people like a little chaos. I mean, just, just a way. I, I did a deal in church. We, we had a cross on the back of our church, and, and it was right there. And so I said, how many, how many would like it to be in the center? It's about half the church. How many like it on the side? About half the church. How many hate it, would hate it in the center? About 20% of the church. How many would hate it that it's on the side, about 20% of our church? Creative people generally don't like it in the center because they like things to be asymmetrical. Does that communicate to anybody here? All right. God doesn't give a rip where you put the cross. I mean, really, it doesn't matter. It's not like there's a right spot for it. Some of you are thinking, oh, yes, there is. And, and by the way, you're probably center people. But... but here, here's, here's my point. We're all made differently, and we have, we have weaknesses. We encounter things in our life that wound us and change us and do things. I, I, was, I was born slow. And I, I'm not talking about mentally, although I, I'm not sure about that, but, I, <laughs> but, but physically I was slow. When I was a kid, when they would have field days and things like that, I, I would intentionally be sick. If we, we were to go out in the parking lot right now and God transformed all of us into the prime of our life, the fastest time we could, and we had a race, I would be last. I mean, I just, I'm really, really slow. In high school, I think it was a ninth grade, we did a deal in gym and we had to run around the track twice. It's, you used to call it an 880, I think it's an 800 now, but anyway. And, and I got lapped. Now, I'm 76 years old, so I really don't care anymore. But when I was a kid, that was really traumatic. Uh, in fact, I had a guy come up to me after the first service, and he said, he says, I was really born fast. He says, we, uh, he, and he was apologetic, he says, we used to make fun of you slow guys. <laughs> so I, I punched him. Because <laughs> I was born strong. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, no, we... we when I was uh, 50 years old, I was having some problems with my legs, and so I, uh, 
I, I, I went, I get my medical through the VA, and I went to, in Helena, Montana, which is about 90 miles from my house, and they did a test where they put a probe in my foot, and they put a probe up here, and then they shot some electricity through it. I, I mean, it's all science. I don't know how they do it, but anyway. When he did that, he said, oh. I said, what? And he said, your quick twitch is half of normal. I, uh, I almost started bawling on the table because it, it kind of explained the, some of the biggest trauma in my growing up years because I love sports, but I, I, I just couldn't, I, didn't, I couldn't jump and I couldn't run. And, uh, and anyway, so he, I, I'm, I'm driving home and I'm, I, I always talk this stuff over Jesus. I'm trying to sort through it. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me and he said, uh, I made you slow. And, and I, was, I had a few minutes where I was actually a little bit irritated about that. Because, I mean, I, I had a good childhood. I have a good life. I'm not, I'm not trying to get sympathy here. But, but it, there was a lot of hurt in my life because of that and insecurities that came. And so I'm talking this. But by the time I got home, I was saying, God, thank you for making me slow. I, I'm... I believe, honestly, and I believe this now, I'm a better pastor because I was slow. I, I, I believe I was a better person, a more, I, I was more compassionate to other people that had weaknesses. I mean, it, it just helped me in enormous ways. I hated when I was a kid that I was slow. Now, and, and you all have stuff like that in your life. I, I had actually preached this message a few times, and I was praying about it. This is just a couple months ago, and God reminded me something for my for my youth. When I was 18, I, I went in the Navy, and I, I said that in in my later years of high school, I started running away from God, and and I my dad my dad's a wonderful he's he's with Jesus now, but he's a wonderful man. He's a war hero. He has Silver star, bronze stars, and, and used to get bronze stars for really heavy-duty stuff. He was in Korea in World War II. And, uh, but he's, he was very military and you know, rigid. I'm, I'm a, kind of a free spirit. <laughs> and we clashed a lot. And, and I was starting to, to go towards the dark side, and so that was causing conflict. And, and there was problems between us. When I went to the military, that began family was, there's a strong military tradition in there. My dad was really proud of that. I went to boot camp, and uh, I, I did well. Uh, it, it, it probably straightened some stuff out in me. Uh, I, I, I was a commander of our company. I, they call it RCPO, and, and I carried a sword. Everybody else carried a rifle. I sort of salute with a sword, and I, I told that story in a church, and I in Great Falls, and he said, uh, roll down the window, he said, Pastor Bob, Pastor Bob. Uh, he said, uh, I love that message. He said, uh, were you in the Calvary? <laughs> I said, how old do you think I am? <laughs> so, yeah, I served with Custer. <laughs> but I carried a sword in the Navy, and, and uh, so I was the leader of our company. I, I was picked to be the honor man of the company, and then I was picked to be 
there's 80 people in a company and there's 12 companies in a brigade. And my folks were coming down for the, I covered that, sorry. Uh, I, I, my folks were coming down for graduation. It was like I was recapturing something. And then one day they said, we need to do a PT. And uh, yeah, that's exactly what I said, oh no. And what we had to do, one of the things in the PT, we had to do a 60 second run back and forth. And, and I mean, I was really scared because I had this honor, I had this blessing, and now if I failed that, they would put me in a special company where they'd train you really hard, but I knew that it didn't matter how hard I trained, I could never do it, and then I would have got kicked out. And, and this, you know, it, it really a serious, serious thing. I mean, I, I can't imagine what it would have done to me. I've actually thought about it. I, I could have been suicidal. So the day comes of the PT, and I'm in the best shape I've ever been in. And so I, you know, I'm, we, we had to run the deal, and, and each one, the individually, the guy's timing it. And, and uh, I started running, and he's going 56, 57, 58, 59, 56, 57, 58, 59, 56, 57, 58, 59, 60, you did it. If he hadn't done that, I, seriously, knowing where my, I could have been suicidal. What, what I, the reason I'm telling you that is sometimes the broken things in our life or the hard things in our life, we, we think God's trying to hurt us, and he's not. And God actually showed me when he brought that to mind, I protected you in that. I told that story in our church, and a young man who had been in our Bible school, I mentored him, and now no, he's married, has kids, and just a great guy. He came to me afterwards, he couldn't even talk, he was crying so hard. And he said, he said, if... I, I just realized when you're telling that story, if that guy, God hadn't used him to give you grace, he said, you wouldn't have been there to tell your testimony when I came to church the first time, and I got saved and met my wife and got my kids, and I'm serving Jesus. He said, do you see how this works together? <laughs> see? see uh, he, he, he wasn't trying to hurt me with my weakness, but he did use it to change me. And, and all of you have, maybe have other things in your, maybe things that just hurt you. God didn't necessarily even cause those, but he will use them. Remember, Joseph said, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. And so you are a masterpiece. And maybe, maybe you're a chubby masterpiece. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to mention anybody. Or maybe you're a skinny masterpiece, or maybe you're a short masterpiece, or a tall masterpiece, or you're a masterpiece that can't read or very well. I mean, I, I have some wonderful friends that just have trouble reading. Um, or maybe you have other things that have happened in your life. You're a broken mass, but, you, but God says you're a masterpiece. All right, and let me give you the second area that you're a masterpiece in. There's a scripture in... Uh, Second uh, Corinthians five nineteen says God made him who had no sin that's Jesus to become sin for us so that we could be the righteousness of God. 
when we talk about the cross, and um, if, if, if you saw the movie, The Passion of Christ, and this brutal beating, or, and pastors oftentimes in Easter will talk about how horrible the crucifixion was. The horror of the crucifixion was not the beating and the whipping and the nails. That's a picture of something. Here's what happened on the cross. What, what's your name? Johnny? On the cross, Jesus took all your junk. And God, God took it off of you and put it on him. Do you catch that? He had to come off of him to go on Jesus. So it's not on you anymore. Now, you, you don't deserve that. And, and you're probably a wonderful guy, but you still don't deserve it. And, and, I, and I know I don't deserve it. But God made you the righteousness of God. So that Johnny now is a holy vessel. When we talk about salvation, we always talk about it. It's about getting your sins forgiven and getting going to heaven. But God had more than that. He wanted to live in you. But he can't do that if you are sinful, if you have, if you have sinned. So he takes the sin out of you, makes you a, the temple of God, a holy vessel with the presence of God in you. Uh, that's a masterpiece for his purpose. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to become sin for Johnny. So that Johnny could become the righteousness of God. In the, in the Message Bible, I just, I, I've been reading my devotions in the Message Bible this last year. And just, he says some things so well. In, in Colossians 1, he says, the mystery in a nutshell is just this, Christ is in you. I mean, that's astounding. God's in you. Now, the reason He's in you is so then He can do His reconciliation purpose through you. You, you don't have the skill, the ability, you, but, but it's Christ in you that's the hope of glory. So, point number four, which is what I wanted to point to, was uh, it's for His purpose. Ephesians 2.10, we can do the good things that He planned for us long ago. 2 Corinthians 5.19 and 20 says, for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting men's sins against him. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. That's what you are, Johnny. You're Christ's ambassador. We're Christ's ambassador. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Romans eleven thirty six. I, I think I just threw this in because it's a great scripture. It says, for everything comes from him, everything exists by his power and is intended for his glory. I'll glory to him forever. So Johnny, God called you out of darkness. I, I don't know your story at all, but I know that is your story because it's all of our stories. And then he took your sin away completely. He formed you, the Bible says, even from your mother's womb. I, I actually I don't think I read it, but it's one of my favorite scriptures in uh, Psalm 139, 13. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my, the mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. So, so the stuff that's happened in your life, things that have hurt, things that have wounded you even, uh, things that make you feel weak, 
And, and, and again, we all have that. When your life got surrendered to God, He took all that and had a hand in it. Because God, nothing happens to you that God doesn't allow. And, and sometimes you don't understand that. You say, God, why did I have to go through that? And, and honestly, like my slowness, I do have some understanding. But there's other things I'll probably never understand until I get to heaven. God made you the man you are. Exactly the way you are. You're not supposed to be anybody else. You're supposed to be Johnny. And then he took your sin away so that you're holy so that he can live there. He said, now go represent me. But what if I'm shy? That's perfect. There are other shy people that God will use you to meet. What, what, you know, what, I'm not like Pastor Jeff. Well, no, you're not supposed to be. You're supposed to be exactly the man you are. And it, here, here's a wonderful thing. When you, when you settle that, you quit trying to be something different. You, there are no super. I know. I know some really big shots, and they're just as broken as you are. God just uses them or gives them a certain grace, and 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 if they should be faithful to it, and so should you. You're, you're a masterpiece. I, actually, I I'm just going to tell you. I, I believe God wants you to know that specifically. Sometimes when I preach, I feel like God's. I, I think there's some things, personal things God want, is speaking to your life right now of His love and acceptance and, and delight in who you are. And so let Him, let him shine even more through you. Are, are you guys getting this? This is simple. Now let, let me read you one last scripture here. This is really good scripture. This is from the Message Bible. How, how many know Romans 12.1? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, right? That, that sounds cool. Here it is in the Message Bible. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. God loves a church filled with people just like you. And He uses it to transform lives. I love the testimonies. Those are no, I, I don't think those women are super women. I think they're just normal women who love God. And God works through them. Because you're a masterpiece. If you were dead, it makes you alive. And, and, and he, all your life, he's shaping you. One of the things I like about being older is, is I can reflect back and I can see the faithful hand of God working. Some things I hated. But if you live long enough, sometimes you begin to see how that, that actually changed or, or gave you extra grace or whatever. And, and, but because I have the Holy God lives in me to fulfill his purposes broken kind of messed up really slow Bob and God uses and you're the same as I am on that you bow your heads Father I, I just pray for each person in this room God you there are things I think you wanted to speak to people today 
And I, I pray, uh, I pray that they'd hear that. Uh, God, uh, let uh, let each of us hear that spirit in our heart. God, I pray for those that are. Um, actually, I, I'm going to keep your heads bowed, but I, I want to ask if you've struggled sometimes with who you are, or things that have happened in your life seem unfair, and and you want to you want to have a better vision of it. You want to see it as part of God's plan. And you need help with that. Would you would you slip your hand up? Would you pray for me, Pastor? Just that's all you're saying. Just pray for me. I need I need to know more of who you are and who you've done. All right, Lord, you you see the hands of these people. More importantly, you see their hearts. And God, I, I pray that you give them a uh, a fresh revelation of who they are in you. God, let them see that you're in them. And God, fill them with your glory. And and in the way that they're uniquely shaped, God, let them be used to care for your people and to, to be your ambassador. Last thing I want to pray for, everybody should be praying. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, either you've you've never... You, obviously, if you're here, you, you're kind of searching, you're looking, but you've never made that step to commit your life to Christ. Or maybe you're like I was. Maybe you're backslidden. You're run, you've run, been running away from God. If you need to come to the Lord or come back to the Lord today, I, I would just really like to pray for you. And would you just lift your hand so I can see everybody else should be praying. Would you just lift your hand so I can see if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Christ and you want that. He, he will meet you exactly where you are.